0: And welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host LDG, and today we will be going over the Euros semifinals, and we will be previewing the Euros final. You may or may not have known that this summer the Women's Euros are taking place in England, with the bar set to be the biggest Euros ever, and it. Frashed expectations. Breaking attendance records for Euro- European tournaments, this tournament was the biggest women's Euros of all time. This tournament has propelled interest in the game, with a record TV audience of 40 million people watching the semi final of England and Sweden in England. All around the world, they were, est- they were estimated to get a at least 200 to 300 million viewers for that women's Euros game, which is exceptional. The ratings have been amazing. This Euros is the best Euros yet. So let's get into it. Before we resume the episode, I would like to take a minute to remind you all to drop to follow us on Apple Podcasts and on our Instagram. Our Instagram is the Women's Soccer Podcast, and obviously you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, so just go up there to that top right-hand corner and click the follow button. Also, I do want to let you know we really have been wanting to do a QA and a episode, but we don't have any submissions for this new episode, I know you guys could submit those questions. We have so many submissions from the last one, but we need some more from this one. So remember, just drop a five-star review and leave a women's soccer-related question down below. Thank you for listening to this episode, and let's get back into it. Okay, so let's see. The Euros occurred on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings with England playing Sheffield. Um, England playing Sweden at Sheffield United's home at Bramall Lane on Tuesday evening, and on Wednesday evening, France took on, um, Germany at MK Don Stadium, so two amazing matchups. The quality of football was super high. Sweden got completely blown out of the water by England. England was just so much better. All game, they really controlled it. At the beginning, though, for the first 30 minutes, I would say Sweden did have a little, uh, you know control of things but once it got to the 34th minute and Beth Mead buried a volley Sweden were out of the game um and the second half they came out strong Lucy Bronze with the header Alexia Russo that backheel goal was something if you haven't watched those ESPN has great highlights just four minutes you know gets all the action um Just all the goals in four minutes and a few chances, which is nice. And Fran Kirby finished it off with a scrumptious chip that went right over the head of goalkeeper Hedvig Lindahl. They will be facing the winner of the other match that occurred in the semifinals yesterday. It was Germany versus France. Germany came out on top with Alexandra Pop getting a brace, one in the 40th minute and one in the 70th ninth. France did get a goal in that match though from Katiatu Diani's beautiful long-range strike that happened to deflect off of the back of goalkeeper, German goalkeeper Merrill Fromm, so it was ruled as an own goal. Let's start with the England game, shall we? So England obviously won. I went over the results 4-0. Let's take a look at the stats of that match that I've Curated and let's see how, if it really shows who the numbers in England nominated, and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do some, like, ratings and analysts. I'm gonna analyze, like, the players on both sides and see who really caused the result to be that way. Okay, so England has 17 shots, Sweden at 12, England at 8 on target, whereas Sweden only had 4. The possession was 58 to 42, if England being in favor. They had more passes, and their pack accuracy was higher, as they completed 79% of their 453 passes, whereas Sweden only completed 72% of their 310 passes. Um, England only had seven fouls, whereas Sweden had 13. Both teams had one yellow card, no red cards. Both teams had one offsides call against them. And Sweden had more quarters with corners of six, whereas England only had four. So, okay, these stats clearly show England dominated in the majority of the game. But I think this doesn't represent the whole match. I mean, the first 30 minutes were pretty much all Sweden. If you take a look at the um, timeline feature, go to the beginning of the match. There was a lot of good shots from both sides. I mean, Sweden had that one chance at the very beginning where one of their Rolfo was and Jakobsen were very deadly on the wings, but their wingers were just pounding down the sideline and it was a good shot that was parried away by Mary Herbs. I'm pretty sure the shot was from Jakobsen. But that front line was very very good. Um, for Sweden a- across the tournament. And I think they just kind of fell apart, to be honest. Like, they are a really good team. We know that. They're second in the world. Sweden just didn't really have their best day, and that's okay. I think we... I predicted them in our Euros preview episode to, um, you know, win the whole thing. I still don't regret that prediction, although I do think that uh, it could have been a little bit... Of a better prediction had I selected England. I was debating between the two of them as you who have been watching the episode may know, but I think I just chose England, I chose Sweden over England due to the fact that I wanted, I thought that Sweden would have a better opportunity in this tournament. I don't think that scoreline represents the overall quality of both sides. I think that Sweden are a much more competitive team than what that game represented, but it is what it is, and they did not win. So, you know, like, that's their fault. They had a pretty bad job of containing that front line of England that was so deadly all match with Hemp, Mead, um, attacking off those wings. You know, it was really just an over an onslaught, almost, of just power of that England team, and the fullbacks of Sweden looked absolutely lost, and the goalkeeping of Sweden, I love Hedving Lindahl, but that was atrocious, you even a Swedish fan has to admit, like, you gotta do better, um, in the beginning, but yeah, as I'm looking at this, at the play-by-play, one minute in, Sophia Jakobsen's shot was parried away by, um, Mary Herbs and Aslani won a free kicks. Um, Blackstanius hit, um, got saved, and had a shot that got saved from with her left foot. And then two minutes later, in the ninth minute, she had a header that hit the crossbar. So if that those chances had gone in, it could have been close. And like Rolfa missed a chance wide. It was going back and forth at the beginning of the match, and it really looked like, you know, this could be a competitive game, but it just kept on, the tide almost kind of shifted, in my opinion, to England at like the 25th minute or so, it kind of just, the ball was kind of kept in the midfield for them for most of the time, there was a few fouls here and there from Walsh and Bjorn, but yeah, I'm a... I was a little bit surprised if Hedving Lindahl, and that you know, that is not the typical performance you'd see her have. I mean, she played, she's played for Atletico Madrid, some of our, some of the world's best clubs. But and this front four, almost of Laxtonius up top, Rolfo and sit on the wings, and Aslani in the cam position, was really what told me. I felt they were going to win the tournament. And like Ella said, Glass, Eriksson, Sundbrand pretty good back line also considering the depth that they have on the bench like lena hertag carolina sager yona anderson hannah benison this team looked really good going into the tournament and i think they just kind of underperformed let's move on to england everyone just did their part you know it wasn't like a one player performance four different people scored the goals and that kind of just shows you the depth that england has they have the deepest roster at this tournament and I'm really hoping that the attendance numbers and interest in the Women's Super League will spike due to um, this tournament. I hope that there's a big outcome, and I hope that people keep on watching them them play. But, yeah, Alexia Russo, biggest, best super sub of, the tor- sub of the tournament so far. Every single time it feels like she comes on, she scores. Like, it's just not even a question. When she comes on, you're like, oh, yeah, she's going to score. And she comes on, and literally scores like the only game she hasn't scored a goal in is um since that uh, in this tournament she's scored four goals all off the bench she hasn't started a single game and the two games she didn't score she only played for less than 10 minutes or she um was Um, she got an assist, because look, at the game against Austria, she only played for like 10 minutes off the bench, the game against Norway, she got a goal, the game against Northern Ireland, she got two goals, the game against Spain, she got an assist, and last game for England, she got a goal, so like, they're good, um, England, I think they'll, do very well in the final but i'm not gonna tell you guys what happened because we need to move on to that other matchup now what happened in that game for france it was just kind of a really close game, much closer, obviously, than the England-Sweden game. That game was kind of over. This game was back and forth, very intense. I was rooting for it to go, you know, to extra time. I wanted to see it keep on playing out, but you gotta give credit. Alexandra Pop has been the unpredicted hero of this tournament. You know, everyone thought that Golden boot winner in the From Bundesliga, Leah Schuler, would be taking that starting striker role, but due to her COVID-19 um due to the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously, we've had a very different um, we've had a lot of challenges, not just in the sporting world, but in the world, obviously. And COVID-19 has kept Leah Schuller out of this tournament for a while. And Germany's side is so well-rounded. Look at their depth. Lena Oberdov in that center defensive midfielder role makes me think she is the best CDM in the world right now. Um, Julia Gavin and Ranch are t- two of my most favorite field backs to watch. Although you may, we s- must say, the one weak spot for Germany in that match, if you look at it, um, their wingers weren't attacking um, in the press as much. And the midfielders, Magul and Dabritz, were very central. So there was a lot of space for Diani and um, Cascarino out wide to really put a um, mark on the game. There was not really much um, space inside. They were very tight inside Germany, which worked. But Diani would kind of just cut outside. Huth, um, on that side, who was responsible for marking Diani for most of the match, um, um... Uh, She did get subbed out Svenja Hoot, the Wolfsburg women, um, player in the later part of the match and the 91st minute for Tan, um, Tabia Wasmouf, but, um, very good job by, the German side to only give up one goal. I thought the space out wide that was a big issue, and when you play England, who have as good of wingers as France, at least in my opinion, and Mead and, um, Hemp, you gotta be better outside. Dayani was just kind of curling around side. Um, Ahut and Dabritz, who were the attacking and players on that, um, well, right-hand side for France, left-hand side for Germany, and Rao just kind of wasn't really tracking Diani for most of the match, and you saw that in the goal. Diani was getting marked on that play, granted, but Diani is just so skillful. And on the other end, Cascarino didn't really get involved in the game as much as I think a French fan would have preferred going into that match. C- Cascarino is a big difference maker at club level when, when she plays in the French League D1-1. Um, Division One Feminine for Leonard, um, but in that match she didn't really get too much chance too much of a chance to really impact it. You know, she got subbed out relatively early in the second half, um, for Claire Matteo in minute sixty one. Although I think that subbing out Bacha at um subbing in Bacha, excuse me, at half was the right decision for France. She did really have an impact on that game, although they didn't get a goal. Basha is a very talented fullback who should start in my opinion for France. I think that they the selection decisions for France, like they usually are, were very um, skewed. I think that Amadine Henry and Eugenie Lesamer should have been picked for this team. I could have seen them slot in perfectly. France didn't really have a great player on the bench um, after Katoto got injured for that striker role, Millard was kind of, um, a good player to have on the bench, but with the French depth, I think that Eugénie maybe I see her not being included more realistic with the depth, but I think Charle Bibule is a great player. However, I do think that, you know, with having the class that, um, is brought by Amadine Henry, as shown in that Champions League final against Barcelona. That was really missed by France. They were kind of, they needed someone to control the midfield. The ball was bouncing around to both halves. I mean, the possession may look on paper um, pretty even at 51-49, but the, no, neither team could really control the possession. The ball was kind of bouncing around, almost like a ping-pong ball, um, I was describing it as, just because they you couldn't really control the ball they wanted to the way that they play they love to get it move it push it drop back and like really move the ball is one of the biggest fundamental strengths of France as you can see but they were too like um frantic and both goals that they scored both goals that they conceded, mind you, and the goal that they scored were great goals. All the goals in that match. Exceptional match. Quality of football was top-notch. And um, I was really pleased to see Alexandra pop again on the score sheet twice. You know, it probably hurts confidence boost. You know, have the new manager come in. get Not be that starting striker anymore coming into this tournament and showing the people that may have doubted her ability to get on the score sheet in this tournament and say, it's okay that, um, Leah Schuller's injured. She's great, but I'm going to get some goals for myself as well. And as you know, as you may realize now, um, the golden boot race for this tournament is in a very, um, tight race with Beth Mead and S- Alexander Pop, both nodded at six goals. So, that is kind of crazy, but um, it'll be exciting to see who can get on the score sheet on Sunday. I hope that Clara Bull is back for that final. Julie, Julie Brandt um, really is a youngster that I am so excited to see in the future, but um, I just don't think the time is right you now to experiment. With the German side, they have a chance of winning their ninth women's Euros. I I believe, and that is just, in my opinion, too valuable of a period to waste um, your best players. And she will have her time, obviously, Um, Joel Brandt, where she will be that player that they look for and that they go to, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, it's, like, if you look at their stuff, they've only not made... They've won so many times. They've won this European Championship eight times. Um, 1989, 1991, 1995, 1997, 2001, 2005, 2009, and 2013, they've won this tournament. And this tournament, I think that they are in the running in that final, obviously. They do have much more of a um, successful history in international women's football So I will be picking them to go put up a good fight against England. I'm not going to make my prediction yet because I want to go through a few more things. But I'm really excited for women's club football this summer after the European um, competition. Concludes because I believe that there's so many great stars that have been found at this tournament or refound, I guess you could say, for Alexandra Pop. And I think it'll be interesting to see which transfer movement we see um, after the Euros conclude. We know that many agents were blocking um, teams with going in offers until their players were done at this European Championship. So it'll be interesting to see. Alexia Russo is probably on the hot market now you know a team like Man City could be looking at a new striker but I think that she has found her home in Manchester you know she clearly seems to like it I mean she has gone viral after that goal that backheel is just incredible that stunning moment is one example of why people need to be looking at her more, and she was the player of the year for Man U last season, um, played her college soccer in the United States out of, with the North Carolina Tar Heels after leaving Brighton Hobalbion, but she, she's only made 12 caps with the national team, already netted, hit the back of the net eight times, so, you know, she's the player that is so good and could be really a big impact sub in that final. I think that she is in better form than Ellen White right now. I think that you could argue that she should be starting, but, you know, why mess with what isn't broke, you know? She's just doing an amazing job coming in off the bench, and I believe that this final is really tight. Could go either way. I see... I've been thinking about this before. I've gone back and forth. At first, I was England pro-England. Now I'm pro-Germany. I was back to England. I, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of this match, but I will give you guys a prediction. I do think it's going to be very close. I don't think that if both teams are on there playing their best football, um, I think that it will be a very close match. I will give the slight advantage to England, though, just due to the fact that it's home. I think that's a big advantage, having 90 plus thousand people cheering for you willing you to win that title and everyone wants England to win and for the sport of women's soccer I think we everyone that's neutral should be rooting for England to win just due to the fact that like, um it's the home country. More people will be watching the game from England than from Germany, just because, you know, it's in the country. There's so much buzz about the Euros there. And it's hopefully it's gonna be a really great um way for women's football to grow in England. You know, the attendances, they've set goals, um the UEFA, the FA has set goals for the Women's Super League average attendance to rise to five thousand a game, and I think that they will definitely hit that. You know, a lot of the games being played at small grounds has hurt the average attendance. You know, they a lot of the grounds only hold four or five thousand people, so when they sell them out, they can't really reach the um, average attendance. And some teams are clearly holding it down a little bit more that don't have as much attendance. But anyway, I'm going to give it to England. I think that they have a very slight advantage just due to the fact that they have home field, but I don't count out Germany. They are one of my favorites um, teams so far. So thank you for listening. A reminder to follow us on Apple Podcast and on Instagram at the Women's Soccer Podcast. And have a good day. Peace out from your host, L.D.G.